Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, Seahawks fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Offstead, sitting down with Keith Myers. Welcome in, Keith. Yeah, so today's um, a big show for me um, in that we're talking about the offensive line. This is our um, offensive line like kind of position group uh, preview as, as we kind of roll through that, this now that, um, that uh, the draft is done, free agency is just about done, so we're kind of just look, looking at the state of the roster. And nobody cares about offensive line apparently except for me so um i get to enjoy this show and everyone else has probably already turned it off so <laughs> i i think that more people are going to like this show and like the offensive line this year because it's just it's all about the left tackles left tackle and the right tackle we we chose in the draft yeah some new additions to and, and new life to the, the offensive line that's been kind of the achilles heel of the offense for uh some time now um and i i kind of like the direction um just as an overall direction of the offensive line i'm still a little concerned about center offensive center as we move through the show we'll probably have that conversation but um yeah good to good to be here uh it's been a little while since we've recorded so i'm, I'm anxious to kind of get this thing going uh where do you want to start well i think we should start right in the middle and start start at the center position because that is the biggest question mark um here is you know, they signed Austin Blythe to be the guy. Um, and he's a guy, that, I mean, he's listed as guard, which I think is weird, but because he's a center and he's been a center in this league. Um, but, you know, he is the guy they signed to be the starter, but he didn't play much last year. Um, and at 29, he was some injury history. Like, there's some reason to, um, you know, be a little worried there. Um, and his backups are Dakota Shepley, who the team stole from san francisco uh last year right at, at for week one and then he barely played except for special teams and kyle fuller who started the first four games and looked absolutely terrible um while they waited for posick to come back and posick's no longer with the team so um yeah i mean those are your options at center that's not a there's no one there that's like hey and that's who we're going to hang our hat on there there's a lot of question marks and no answers no wonder you wanted to start there because that's about as bleak as it gets. Mm-hmm. Um, we can only go up from there. <laughs> I still you think know. that I still think that um, Pierre Olivier Lestage, despite being listed as a guard, it has the skills and talent. He's physically a guy that should be playing center, and I would love to see him yeah. get center snaps in camp and get a chance to take that job. You would think, with his athleticism and, and so forth, uh, that they would have him plugged in there and, and possibly. He's kind of on their ghost center roster. Um, yeah, let's talk about Austin Blythe, though. Um, you know, I went back and I looked at Austin Blythe when he did play uh, for the Los Angeles Rams. He was a seventh-round pick, 253, I think, overall in the 2017 um, draft. And um, so he's been around a little bit, didn't play a lot, you know, initially, then kind of came in and kind of took over because – their roster kind of turned over a little bit and he got an opportunity and he kind of played, but he really didn't play that well. He got a 
pro football focus grade. I know you don't like those grades very much, but that's what I'm working with. That's what I'm working with here. But Austin Blythe never made it out of the 60s as, or, or the 50s, I should say, as an offensive line uh, rating, both run blocking and pass blocking. I think he got 61 or 62 in pass blocking at one time. Um, but he's just been kind of average. Took a ton of snaps in 2019, no, 2020, took 1,100 snaps, third most in the NFL, and um, didn't play very well. Um, And that's why they didn't have him back. Um, And so he moved on and played a year uh, at Kansas City, didn't play because they drafted Creed Humphrey, probably the second best center in the entire NFL right now. And we're kicking ourselves that the Seahawks had that opportunity to draft. our, our center of the future for 10 years and, and he was just sitting there for us and didn't do it um so austin blythe keith i'm i don't even here's my thing with austin blythe i don't even know if they brought him in to start i mean yeah they kind of paid him but they really didn't pay him that much and not a lot of it's guaranteed and he looks like he could start because he has the most experience and it's shane waldron's offense and he kind of played under shane waldron or in that offensive line scheme there for a little bit um, there with the Rams. That's all he's really hanging his hat on. Plus, he's probably slightly better than than Kyle Fuller. And no, we don't have any idea what Dakota Sheffley is. You, you, you want to go with... Well, um, you know I, what I'm saying. Saying that he's Austin slightly Blythe better... Keith, Saying he's slightly better is like saying that an NFL offensive lineman is slightly better than me. Fuller was terrible. He was one of the worst offensive yeah, I know. linemen in the and entire NFL. I'm saying Austin Blythe is slightly better. I'm no, not saying, he's an, yeah. he is an NFL average center. I don't know if he's even average. Average you would just, be top 15, would be the 15th best center in the NFL. You just said that he was in uh, the upper 50s. 50 is average. They Everything is renormalized now. They used to just have it as grades based on players, but everything is renormalized now so that 50 is average um, and 100 is perfection on every play. Um, but 50 is average. Everything is normalized to be that way. If he's in the high 50s, he, they're saying that he's, well, he's he's an average player. He's an average NFL center. And Kyle okay. Fuller was terrible why do you he was not an nfl caliber player had an entire offseason to to address this situation and opted for an average center as being their best option going into training camp because one he was a massive upgrade over what they had last year so improvement is improvement and two uh they knew they were going into the draft needing tackles and they wanted a veteran in the middle um so they had veterans at um on the interior because their offensive tackles were going to be super young whether they got both which they did or the just one of the two and and had one of their players who was rookie rookies last year there they were still going to be super young and inexperienced on the outside they wanted experience in the middle they didn't want to go and have just a bunch of guys so they they went and found someone who is a league average guy which if surrounded by tremendous talent could be fine but We've got a couple of new starters at left tackle and right tackle, possibly. Oh, probable. And then, um, you know, Damian Lewis and um, Gabe Jackson. So I'm just a little concerned. I mean, I'm concerned. This was my most concerning spot on the offensive line. I think it's probably yours, too. Tell me why this plan could work. 
Well, I think it can work because you've got uh, he. Blythe isn't a guy that's going to just go out and, you know, make a pro bowl, but he'll be, he'll be decent. I mean, think about how much better the offensive line looked when Ethan Posick got in there instead of Kyle Fuller. It's not like Ethan Posick was good. He was probably a below average player. If we're being completely honest with his performance last year. Um, But he was such a difference maker because that's how bad Fuller was. We're looking at Blythe as being a league average guy. He's actually going to be an upgrade from Posick if the two of them, like if he plays at as how he has his entire career, he will be better than Posick was. I think he could possibly be a better pass blocker than Posick, but I don't know that, that we can get there with the run blocking. But maybe I maybe I'm wrong. Um, yeah, what do you not like? Posick was a good run blocker. So where um, are Austin Blythe's deficiencies? Where are we going to notice issues most with Austin Blythe? Well. What you're going to notice is in, in some of the ways that with Posick, it's going to be similar where he's going to get out muscled at times. Um, he's, he's undersized. He's a little undersized. And, and so he's going to get out muscled at times and he's going to need help. The guards are going to have to help him with the better nose tackles in the league, but that's nothing new for Seattle. It's nothing new for these particular guards. I mean, they played next to Posick next year. Um, he's a guy that moves well. Um, so he'll be good for the out as they switch from an inside zone to an outside zone uh, scheme. He he moves laterally well, and I think they can get a lot out of him that way. But if you're asking him to block straight ahead and push guys back backward, he's not the guy. Um, but I don't think they're going to require that from him in this scheme. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? With DraftKings Same Day Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more, and boom! You have a shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place the same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN, bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Let's let's finish up the, the center position with Kyle Fuller and Dakota Shepley. Two players that we don't know much about, although we do know about Kyle Fuller and the fact you know, that he's just not able to, to be a pro in the NFL on any level. And I'm not exactly sure why the team invited him back. Do you have any idea? Because uh, he's practically free and he played with the team last year. <laughs> Um, so he's got experience in the offense. That was his ex- qualification. He's got experience in the offense and they pay him nothing whatsoever. Um, and so why wouldn't you bring a guy? You got a complete control over him. None of his contract is guaranteed. You can cut him at any time and not pay him a dime. And even if you do decide to keep him around as your backup, you're paying him the absolute minimum you uh, can play a player in the, in the NFL. So, so there's no it reason seems not like to. with with Kyle Fuller and Dakota Shepley, there would make sense for the team, given the, the the glut that we do have at the guard positions, which we'll talk about here in a second, to maybe possibly move Pierre Labiel Lestage over 
to that center spot. Let him get some snaps, see what you've got in him. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's when they drafted him, they talked about him, um, you know, possibly, you know, moving to center in that. And they didn't do it last year. Um, I think they wanted him to just acclimate with one position and not try and learn multiple. Um, but now that he's been in the league for a year, he's a got to be a candidate to move over. Um, that's who he is. Like, that's his his thing. I know the other player that the team uh, has used in practice um, as a center at times was Phil Haynes. But the way his body type is and his size at 322, he's a guard. And I think he needs to stay at guard. And I think the team believes that too. But he can be an emergency center if they decide that, uh, you know, they don't want to keep all the um, all their other kids around and they want to have like Blythe and one other. Yeah. And, you know, there's always the chance that the team looks outside of the organization to beef up that spot before training camp ends. Yeah. Shepley wasn't on the roster um, until after training camp. So So, where do you want to go? Well, I think if we um, just move over to guard and and both sides, like you already mentioned, uh, Damian Lewis, who is a a two-year starter um, going into year three in the league at 25, uh, had a fantastic rookie year uh struggled a bit at times last year as he battled injuries um but wasn't bad um even with the injuries so uh he's kind of entrenched there at left guard and then at right guard you have the um, former pro bowler in gabe jackson um he's 30 he's the old the old man of the uh of the offensive line um six three three thirty five big guy great pass blocker um not known for his run blocking, although he looked really competent as a run blocker last year and just, yes, was, he was, he was easily the best offensive lineman, um, on the team last year. So how do you, how do you feel about their, how do you feel about starters? I like the starters. I think that's it. The starting guards is one of the strengths of this team. There's been some chatter, um, not a lot of it, but a little bit about the team moving on from Gabe Jackson in some sort of June post-June 1st cut scenario to save some cap, don't know why, and then moving Damian Lewis back over to the right side and, and getting somebody else to play left guard, possibly Phil Haynes. Why would you have made that trade a year ago to bring in a guy of Jackson's caliber just to turn around and cut him? Because like, you were in still in win-now mode last year, and, and Russ, Russ was making some noise about improving the offensive line. Yeah, and you improved your offensive line, and then you made some other things to improve it more. Um, if they do that, fine. It's because they're trying to get young because they know that um, this is a lost season and they're not going to do anything anyway. But he's your best offensive lineman, and to just cut him for the sake of cutting him and not try and at least you know wait till after June first and then trade him for a draft asset because he's still a very good player and he's only 30. Um, You could get something for him. It's not like his contract is crazy either. No, I agree. And I, and I would rather stick with uh, the Damian Lewis experiment at left guard and, and keep him there another year and see how that goes and keep Gabe Jackson there. I think this gives us the best opportunity for continuity as well. Um, Let's what's, what's behind these guys. So behind them, I mean, we already mentioned Phil Haynes as a guy that move around. Um, He's a guy that when he was drafted, he looked like 
he was a Seahawk. I mean, he's a guy that was a ready-made run blocker who can maul people, but needed to work on his pass block. And you're like, okay, that's the old Seahawks. Um, but then he battled injuries his first couple of years and really had a hard time getting on the field. And eventually they kind of shelved him, um, brought in Jackson and, and haven't really given, uh, Haynes a chance to, to make an impact. Um, he's back. He's, um, you know, going into his fourth year at 26, this is kind of his make or break year in the NFL. Um, and so he's going to be the, the, the third guard, if you will, a guy that can, um, back up both sides and may be asked to, um, occasionally back up center if they run into some injuries and stuff behind that things get a little dicey. You've got, um, Lestage who we already talked about, but he's more of a center and he's undersized. Um, and you've got, uh, Shamarius Gilmore an undrafted rookie, um, uh, who's also very undersized. He's only three Oh one. Um, and those are your other backups at guard. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're really looking at a situation where if they, um, if they do do something with Jackson, they're probably do, when they're doing that, they have someone in mind that they're bringing back, bringing yeah. in right. to replace him. Um, and because right now there's not a lot of depth. If, if one of your three, Name guys being Lewis Jackson and Haynes gets injured. You don't have much. You're probably looking yeah. at picking one of your tackles um, or, or looking at Cal Fuller to move over. Oh, to yard. God. Yeah. Which they did I in know. spots last year, I believe. I know. And it went great. Um, and by great, I mean, no, it, let's, let's not see that show again. Um, I would say you're more likely to see, you know, one of your tackles move inside. Um, and and that seems like a more likely scenario to me. Interesting. Wow. Well, that doesn't sound very promising, but it sounds like our starters are are okay so far. So mm -hmm. we've got center and guards taken care of. How about tackles? So tackles actually an interesting position because you got four young guys, um, two rookies and two guys going into their second year, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. If literally have four guys on the roster listed at tackle. Uh, Charles Cross, who was their first round pick, um, he is the starter at left tackle. Um, write him in, folks. Write him in. Yeah, put him in in pen. He's only 21, too, which is crazy. Um, and and that's going to be exciting. Stone Forsyth, Forsyth is his backup. Um, he's a guy that is a ready-made pass blocker in the NFL, but has major leverage issues and a little bit of functional strength uh, concerns in terms of a bull rush. Um and so that's why the team it didn't just you know fall in behind him as as the guy, but so he he comes in as the backup as the left tackle, and on the right side you've got Jake Curran who um, played what was it eight games last year at uh, right tackle and did really well as a run blocker and and you know did okay at times as a pass blocker, but you know obviously there's growth um, potential there, and then their third round pick Abraham Abraham Lucas who. Uh, comes in as the long-term future at right tackle, um, whether or not he starts week one or not. Um, so you've got two guys that'll be starting, uh, two guys that we think have the capability of developing into starters if they're not you know, already there. Um, so you have good talent, you've got reasonable depth, but that's hard to get through all of the uh, reps and stuff in practice if you've only got four tackles on your roster. I would they've imagine got, they, they just that. signed another guy, a, a guy from Washington State, actually, Liam Ryan, 6'5", 315, undrafted rookie free agent, didn't spend any time in anyone's camp uh, for the mini camps, but came in after that. 
Um, so he's listed on the roster. Yeah. And he's so, a left tackle. Yeah. So their list, it's weird because they, they listed him and Greg Island um, yes. as tackle, but not offensive tackle, which is weird. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, um, Liam Ryan was played on the other side, right? So Abe Lucas was the third round pick. He played on the right side. He was clearly, you know, the best offensive lineman the Cougs had last year. Liam Ryan was the left tackle on the other side. So um, yes. there's, yeah, I mean, there, he's a guy that there's a lot to like in terms of some of his footwork and whatever. Um, but he wasn't drafted because there's some issues with like, um, he just doesn't, doesn't play with that meanness that, that, that thing, his hand, his hand placement feels very finesse. There's no weight to his hands. Um, so that's why he was never really on my radar as a draftable player. And I don't really know enough about, um, Greg Island, but again, he's a guy that's, uh, one year in the league. And, and so, I mean, those are the guys that are going to be, they're there, they're camp bodies. They're not guys so that you the want thing, your, the thing about the roster. The thing about Greg Island and Liam Ryan is you know that they're both Irish. And um, that's what they've got going for them. And, and a guy with the name Shamarius, I mean, that's almost Irish, right? <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. So tackle. I'm excited. This is, the, this is the group that I'm excited about is the tackle spot. You know, you look at the future with Charles Cross. Um, you know, he's got some things to learn. I think obviously he's going to be better in pass protection right away for mm-hmm. the Seahawks. And I think that's kind of what where they felt comfortable drafting him at nine. I, I think that they need that protection there for our, our our quarterbacks. And then uh he'll develop into that run game. He's capable, I think. He just didn't have the opportunities there where he was at in the on the air raid offense. And then Abraham Lucas faced the same challenge. At six six three fifteen with thirty four inch arms and a four nine two forty, super athletic on the right side. I think there's a potential there to have those two um, frame that offensive line for years to come. And, and I oh, just yeah. think that it's it's crazy amazing um, to get both is is just uh, incredible. And the the skill that's there, the pure talent that. You know, you watch offensive linemen. You one of the things you you all or one of the things I always look for is how quick they move their feet, uh, and they, do they do so in control and in with balance. And both of these guys have elite foot feet um, for just you know for NFL players. Um, and that's it's hard to find guys like that. You look at uh, Jake Curran, who played pretty well last year. It isn't like that. He does not have elite feet. He's just a pure power guy, and his feet are kind of stuck in the mud at times. Um, that's way more common. That's like, as far as what you see um, when those guys have that super quick feet they're though, that, that it tends to be a special player and the Seahawks got two of them in the same draft. Yeah. Super athletic Charles cross. His nickname is sweet feet. Um, so talk to me a little bit about that competition that you're going to see. Well, both competition um, stone Farsight and Charles cross. I know that Charles Cross is kind of penned in there as the starter, but let's let's talk about that a little bit. And then Abraham Lucas and Jake Curran, probably one of the, the most contested battles that mm-hmm. we'll see in training camp. Yeah, I know that um the the, the cross forsyth one, they're I'm sure uh both guys have been told it's a battle and, and I'm sure that they, you know, they're working out like it is. But you know and I know you don't take a guy ninth overall. Um Charles Cross have- is already getting first first team reps. Yeah, he is the starter. 
um, he has to he has to get hurt to not start week one. Um, that's that's that will be the only thing that keeps him off the field. Um, and if you're Stone Forsyth or or a fan of his, I know that's unfortunate to hear. Um, but sorry, um, across it, it, it's it's his position. Um, on the right side, though, I'm not going to say that Abe Lucas is going to just automatically be given the spot despite his third round um, uh, pedigree there. One, I think that he is in a position where he needs to develop a little bit more. And two, he's um, he's fighting with a guy at Curran who actually played, unlike Forsyth, um, and played you know, re- re- reasonably well, um, especially for an undrafted rookie. So I think Lucas is going to have to battle his way onto the field um, and probably will, but not week one. I think Curran probably really? wins that early. Yeah. I so do, you I, don't see Abraham Lucas or Abe Lucas um, winning this battle in the first couple of weeks of training camp. I think that because of the running game stuff and Lucas's inexperience in the running game, and they're not going to want to have two rookie offensive tackles who can't run block on the field at the same time. Um, I think that's going to be the, the, the difference. And so Curran's going to get an opportunity to play while cross, you know, gets through some growing pains and then, you know, they'll work um, Lucas in there. Interesting. That's I a, will say I mean, this. I, I can see that strategy. The, the issue, the, the thing at guard because of the lack of depth and stuff there, um, Jake Curran's the guy who would move inside. And so if one of the guards wow, gets hurt and they're, and they're look, one of the guards gets hurt, especially if it's um, on the right side, since that's Kern's a right tackle. Um, if, uh, if it's Gabe Jackson on the right side, um, Jay, I honestly think Jake Curran would come in, move inside to the right um, guard spot. And so you'd have Curran next to Lucas on the right side of the offensive line. I think the team could do far worse than that. I mean, if you're going to put your best five offensive linemen on the field and you need to figure out how to do it. And sometimes uh, that gonna, means moving the guy gonna down. Your, if you're going to put your best five offensive linemen on the field, does that mean that you put Damian Lewis at center? He did it for one game as a rookie. Yeah, he did. I mean, it really depends. It it depends, Keith. That's a great question. And I think it would depend on what your plan is, mm-hmm. what your what your long-term plan is, what your continuity plan is for this team. Do you so want these the players to grow the in their roles at, where you traditionally want them? Or are you solving a problem for this year, the first half of the year or something because of injury? Um, so I would say, while that's appealing, um, I think on the balance, Austin Blythe at center with Damian Lewis over at left guard, and you know our, our scenario, starting scenario, mm-hmm. seems to be the best way to proceed. But um, so where where are your starters? So Austin Blythe at center, Damian Lewis at left guard, um, Charles, Charles Cross, Cross at left tackle, um, Gabe Jackson right guard, and then. Um, I want to say uh, Jake Curran at right tackle week one, and by week eight, it's Abe Lucas. Yeah. And once Lucas takes over, it's his. It's his job forever. Yeah. And the worst the worst thing about Jake Curran is I think he's a good player, able to start somewhere in the NFL, and he's going to have to figure it out. 
you know, mm-hmm. in the next in the next couple of years, maybe a tradable asset for the Seahawks. Or they move him inside to guard. He's 24 and um, makes nothing. And, you know, um, Jackson is uh, 30 and well-paid. So, you know, it might be one of those things where once the the two um, tackles get their feet wet and are are ready to be starters next year, that you can have Curran slide into guard and, and be that right guard for you. Um, and you, where you have a younger, cheaper offensive line. Interesting. So is there any chance that Stone Forsythe moves around uh, between the tackle spots? I think he is your swing tackle. He's the guy that can play both sides. Um, and he will be the primary backup uh, on, you know, uh, on game day because he can play both sides. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, we kind of cruised through this. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, you know, with this group, I got to say the, it's really young, um, other than Gabe Jackson, it, there's no one here with more than two years experience. Um, okay. You're right. Um, Blythe is there. Uh, I was thinking of like, of the, I wasn't thinking of him, everyone else, um, that we've talked about the most experienced person is Damian Lewis. Yeah who has two seasons under his belt. This is a really young group. They are going to make mistakes and they're going to look terrible at times, but it's a very talented. So let's talk about that. What that That, looks like to you. Let's talk about what terrible looks like to you and what that does to games, what that does to quarterback play, how that translates to uh, opportunities for the offense or, or not having opportunities. When I say they're going to look terrible at times, it's going to be, communication problems you're going to have guys blocking no one while while other um you know defensive linemen or or linebackers get through untouched um you're going to see things like that happen because guys aren't just they're not getting to the right spot they're they lose track of who they're supposed to be blocking if two people block one guy and nobody you know blocks the other um there's going to be situations like that where they're going to get our quarterbacks killed um but there's also going to be times where this because they're so talented there's going to be stretches where athletic where this uh, that offensive line is going to look really good and they're going to make a couple of mediocre quarterbacks um look like reasonably good players and to me to me that's why you start a lucas day one because i think by by week eight you start him at week eight yeah, for the first time, he's at like the equivalent of being week one for him. If you start him at week one by week eight, he's already in flow in the season and and the entire offensive line is in, in sync and we're starting to work together and, and really kind of creating a, a nice little, you know, overall unit. Um, and and if, I think if you wait, you kind of stunt that a little bit. Yeah, but I think it's also... Um if you how much are, killing do you want <laughs> if you're playing two rookie offensive tackles that right. can't run block you can't do anything then yeah your offense is going to do nothing the first few weeks and how much development are you giving cross if you are three and out every series mm-hmm. because you can't run the ball more than you know two yards at a crack and right. you know what i mean so uh i think that's why they go with current is because it gives them an opportunity to establish a run game and have yeah, more that convertible also, yeah. uh, third downs keeps everybody on the field more. Yes, right. Uh, and that's so you're not why stunning think, anybody. Yeah, so I think 
um, I think they go with Curran for a bit while they get Cross's feet wet. And then once he's kind of settled in, then you see Lucas come in. And does it stunt his growth a few weeks? Sure. Um, does it matter long term? Not at all. Um, in terms of Lucas, because they're not, it's not a matter of how good can you get him this year. It's how ready can you have him be for next year? Because this year, this year is about developing these young players. It's not about trying That's to win right now. Why you pay Keith Myers the big bucks because <laughs> of that insight right there. Yeah, I just wasn't quite I wasn't quite there. And then you brought me around and yeah. and uh yeah, put me in my place. That was excellent. That's why we appreciate <laughs> you, man. You, I didn't put you in your place. Uh <laughs> terrible. Um no, I, I agree with that. I think you know, I, I won't hate it either way, whichever the team decides. I mean, maybe Abe Lucas is ready to go day one. I mean it's totally entirely possible if he beats out Jake Curran and this is going to be the most hotly watched and contested uh, spot on the entire roster and Abe Lucas is able to go get it. Hats off. I mean, yeah, you just got to hand it, it to him. If he can just go get it and be that much better then he goes and gets it and is that much better. And the team puts up with the, um, the mm -hmm. growing pains from the beginning. Cause why wouldn't you, he's the better player. Um, if it's close, between the two of them, I think they go with Curran because it's Pete Carroll and he wants to run the ball first. Like he knows the importance of the running game and creating convertible third downs, especially since he doesn't have Russell Wilson anymore. And you, and like you said, you don't want to stunt the growth of um, Tyler, not necessarily Tyler Lager, but like D. Eskridge, who's coming mm -hmm. off the, you know, an injury laden season last year, wants to come in and start you know, going right away. Um, guys like uh, Medcalf and um, Will Disley and Noah Fant, those guys are going to want the ball. And if you can keep those drives going, those guys are going to get more reps. It's it's better for the team. Even if we don't win, I think it's better just to, to get those guys going up to speed. Um, okay. Cool. Is that it? That's it. The offensive line, Keith's baby. Yep. What do you think overall? Do you think we're heading in the right direction? Oh, on the offensive line, absolutely. I think they, they need to find a long-term answer at center. I don't think there is that on the roster at this point, yeah. unless Dakota Shepley is just way more than than we expect him to be. Um, or they get Lestage uh, established there. Um, but I think they're better at center than they were last year uh, with Posick. And you you cannot argue that these tackles, the talent, they're young. They'll make mistakes. We know that. But the overall talent is scary good. This yeah. is and way better than we had last year. Let's be honest. Brown was yeah. diminishing. Yep. That's why he's not back now. That's why he's he not on any team right he's now. He's older. Correct. And Shell was just a average he's level a placeholder. player. He's, he's just a placeholder. So he had a few a few um really good weeks in a row at the start of um the season a year ago or now two years ago to his first year in Seattle. Um, then he got hurt, came back and just never found that magic. And then last year was mediocre and then ended up on the bench. So Curran can play. Yep. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, this is to me, this group is, has them quite a bit of potential, but you're right. It's just so young and it's so, so raw. Young. it's just, you know, it's just one of those things, but I think we've got a really good young offensive line coach. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and they, and they got rid of the, uh, Mike Solari this year and they, they made that little transition. I think that helps as well. He really identifies with the players. He, he understands those guys. He gets right in there, communicates very well with them. I think this offense, the scheme itself suits this set of players much more than our, than our old system. And so I think now in year two, we've got all the personnel, we've got the running backs, we've got the quarterback, we've got the. Uh, the offensive line that that Shane Waldron really kind of wants to put it all together to kind of see what what it's all about, how it runs at its most efficient uh, mm-hmm. ability, and so I'm kind of excited a little bit. I, I know that I, we're thinking. I disagree with I disagree with the one sentence there. I know he's got the quarterback. Yeah, he doesn't I, I, have the quarterback. Well, I think maybe, <laughs> and and I'm gonna I'm gonna ride this theory until it's proven incorrect, and in that I think. Pete Carroll was onto something when he said, I want a point guard type quarterback in this system. And I think that he's trying to look for that. And if one of those two guys in the competition comes out ahead and we start to, I think this team could actually be better than people are talking about because the offense off the offense and defense um, talent, deficits aren't as great as they were last year i think we've actually improved in every spot except quarterback and i think that i just think that we could be a seven to nine win team with with this offense and this defense with a placeholder level quarterback i'm not saying that that's the answer long term or whatever i'm just saying i think that we can we can have more wins I don't think they're there yet. Yeah, um, I, I don't think, I don't think, well, and I don't think they're there yet because the talent is there like an offensive tackle, but the experience isn't. And the mistakes that will be made, the penalties, the screw ups will destroy drives and that will cause them to lose games that were runnable. Um, a year from now, when those guys are better, uh, then this roster is good enough to win those games with the, with a, mediocre quarterback um but this year they're so young i don't think they are i think they're you're gonna have enough mistakes by the talented but young guys that you're gonna see um winnable games not be won uh and because you don't have the quarterback play to overcome it yeah i mean i you're right on both those accounts so we'll we'll see we'll see the prediction show would be will be very interesting this year it will be very interesting this year I mean, yeah. it's it's a long way off because we're only into June now. But um, it's going to be. I'm starting. Very, I'm starting high in June, and you're starting low. I want to see if where I we can end pull up. you up a little bit, and if you pull me down a little bit, we'll, we'll see. see. Yeah. All right. Find Keith <laughs> on Twitter at Myers NFL. You can find me at MWC Hawk. The show is at Hawks Playbook on Twitter. SeahawksPlaybook.com is the website. Find us on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube. Make sure you tell your friends and family and hit the subscribe button. So until next time, go Hawks. Thanks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWSeahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.